And we are recording, Max. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you, everyone, for listening in to this week's podcast of uh, What's the Wine? Today, we actually have a guest, Bhavna. It's a pleasure to have you. And we're going to be talking about polygamy. But first of all, thank you to Mark for the intro and the outro music. We would like to talk about the different polygamous lifestyles that have existed and that exist now. And really, what we need to separate here is the difference between living a polygamous lifestyle, which is going out there and having multiple relationships, versus a uh, you know, polygamous uh, marriage. Right, so having multiple partners, and whether that's for men, uh, polygyny, or for women, polyandry, it's important to keep in mind the difference between wanting to live a polygamous lifestyle versus actually living in a country or a society where the social structure, so the legality of marriages, can be polyamorous. So I think first of all, let's start with Bhavna just introducing herself a little bit, and uh, we'll jump right in. Bhavna. Thank you so much, Max. Um, so I'm really happy to be here. I am Bhavna. I used to be a dentist. I've been a voiceover artist. I worked at an ad agency and now I work in travel e-commerce and I love to talk and very happy to be here. The highlight of your life was working with me, wasn't it? At Tariqa Holidays. Yes, I forgot to mention that. The reason why I'm here is because Tiago and I have been co-workers before and uh, I think it went okay, right, Tiago? Yeah, no, yeah, I always thought you hated me a little bit, but then now that I know you really well and you're a good friend, I'm sure that you hate me the way that you love when my wife screams at me. <laughs> you were a voiceover artist, Bhavna? That's very interesting. Yeah, I used to dub, I should not say voiceover artist, more like a dubbing artist. I used to dub for an Indian sitcom from like oh. Hindi to English. Yeah. Uh, for Indians living abroad. And I played the character of this uh, girl who had married this guy just for his money. And I did, I dubbed around 150 episodes. For, Whoa. Why did yeah. you stop? Why did I stop? Because uh, then I left for the UK to study further. So, yeah. Okay. Did you feel like your uh, personality changed while you were doing that job? Did you feel deeper and deeper connection to the character? Or was it more like a switch, you know, like you put the mic in front of you, put the headphones on, and then you suddenly realize, hey, you know, I have to kind of change my personality in a way to get the voice out or to get the, to get the sentences in the right way? That's a great question. I think uh, it was just, I found the script really ridiculous. I can say that now. <laughs> well. uh, so I, I actually used to make a lot of attempts to make sure that I did not get into the character too much uh, because uh, a big issue with Indian sitcoms even till today is that they're still propagating societal norms that many people in like big cities do not identify with because these sitcoms are for the mass public so many of the things they showed uh, you know, which is about, for example, getting married by a certain age, the woman not working, were already things that, you know, I had left behind when I was maybe a teenager. So now while dubbing in my 20s for this character, it just seemed really odd and very, very backward. But it was what India was watching still. And it was what we were pushing to Indians living abroad as if that was the norm still. Yeah, you know, that actually ties really well into one of the things that we'll discuss about this polygamy topic, which is you can live in a society which for the most part might be perceived as, you know, having certain, uh, let's say, views and, and values, like you said, but the people that we can access and that we can get views from 
don't share it, even if they're in the same even if they're in the same country, the same city as where this culture exists. And it's fascinating to see how, yeah, maybe predominantly the younger generations as well, the more international generations have this completely different idea of what life should be like. And it feeds really well into polygamy because there are some really, there are some polygamous uh, societies where people like you and I, who are not in any way connected to that live. And we go, yeah, I mean, I've heard, but I don't have any first or secondhand accounts. It's like a thirdhand account. And that's so mental because we think about polygamy as this weird kind of um, habit, you know, like we go, oh, dude, I did that when I was 20. But to be married to three people, for us, it, it, it feels strange. And it's so hard to remove ourselves from it, right? But India is a great example. All these different kind of ideas in the same place. And you did a voiceover for one, for, for heaven's sake. And uh, yeah. What was the name of the show so that we can watch a little bit? It is called Satya Sat Nibbana. I can see you're very uh, excited to tell us the name. <laughs> <laughs> Basically means like, um, always be by my side, my companion. Oh, that sounds like there can be some really, really cheesy lines in there. <laughs> and some old school, good old fashioned Asian chauvinism. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, just one example. Um, so this, like, for example, this girl was told that to impress your husband, you should clean up everything. And she's from the village. So she doesn't, she cleans up his room and all of that. Then she takes his laptop and uh, she starts washing it. I'm not joking about this. Like, you know, like you have with the fairy liquid. So they show her that she's in the kitchen scrubbing his laptop. And then um, <laughs> she goes to the clothes line and you know how you hang like a shirt. So she hangs a laptop like that, which is like one side on one side and the other end on the other end. And then the husband comes in and he's like, oh my God, what did you do? This has all the company information because, you know, no concept of cloud, pen drive, saved on some, none of that. And then he blames her that like she destroyed all the company information, but I'm not, this is like 2015 when I dubbed this. So you're showing a woman like scrubbing away a laptop in 2015 with yes, like yes. melodramatic music playing. So this is just one example. Oh, that's like, I'm sure if I watch it for the first time, you know, without having discussed that, I probably laugh at it. Be like, oh, okay, well, that's kind of, you know, cheesy kind of joke. Cause in it, you know, I, so I'm come from Taiwan, right? So we, well, we as like my mother, for example, watches all the different Japanese, Korean, Taiwanese, Chinese shows. And they have these cheesy scenes like crazy, you know, where, or if you look at some of the ads in Taiwan, when the iPad came out and stuff, you know, they're like showing like old people using it as a cutting board and stuff like that. And it's funny the first time you listen to it, right? And then after a while you go, this is dumb. Like you're making everyone around me look dumb. <laughs> this, is, yeah. this is not cool. <laughs> Like every culture has that kind of type of sitcom, like with the telenovelas in South oh. America, it's also super chauvinistic and misogynist with the, the male being always the superhero and the, the woman, the princess that tries to always get with it. It's always has the same type of context. Does that make sense? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't understand one thing about those series, which is they seem to have a big budget. I mean, they're so popular. So do they have a big budget or do they run it on a hairline budget? Because... I have seen the action scenes and in particular, the death scenes. I saw a car accident where they didn't even bother putting the woman on the ground. I don't know whether she signed a contract. It's like, I am not touching 
getting ground, all right? It's going to ruin my image. And it was a slow motion video of her leaning against the car and rolling. So picture this. She's leaning against the car, full body, standing up, rolling to make it look like the car is passing so that she got hit and kind of like a skim off. And then she kind of pretended to fall over, but then got caught by someone. And I went, that's your action scene? That's the dramatic injury scene? It just made me go, what, what am I watching here? Is, is that normal? No, that's absolutely normal, right? Absolutely <laughs> normal. That, 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 what, that is what makes it so appealing. It's like watching Bollywood movies. It's, the, also, the action scenes of Bollywood movies, they're also so far out there, but it's appealing because there's one Indian guy superhero fighting against 50 other guys and it's super interesting. It's like the Chinese action movies as well where they can fly. It's super cheesy as well, but it's, it's part of each other's country, I don't know, culture. I, 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 saw, I saw a Bollywood movie once where the guy was holding a knife and he shot the knife. <laughs> well, it split into two and shot two people. I loved it. I, I think it went viral, so a lot of people seen it, but I went, my God, that, that's the future. <laughs> That beats uh, any Inception movie. We had one scene go viral very recently where, you know, you use the defibrillators to bring someone yeah. back to life. Oh, my God. So speaking of like hairline budgets, they didn't have that. So they used, uh, you know, Scotch-Brite. Like, the, again, going back to what you used to like wash your kitchen utensils. I see that mean. So, <laughs> yeah. So they, you get some special ones where you can like hold it like that. So they literally, the doctors holding two scotch brides and they're trying to show like as if that's a defibrillator and you know trying to bring someone back to life and you know it can only happen in india that is... <laughs> or nigeria i yeah. saw a um a summary of like uh, indian geography by like geography now on youtube he's a hilarious guy he makes fun of all the countries and he's like uh, yeah bollywood cranks up about two billion and like uh, um, hollywood's like 10 billion and he goes but for some reason uh, india doesn't even crank out the most films. Nigeria does somehow. And like he kind of shows really? the Nigerian films. It's so crazy. Yeah. But anyways, so it, it's a pleasure to have a uh, ex-voiceover artist on this uh, podcast. We have very high expectations for your explanations, Bhavna, and your uh, thoughts to be, constru- to be constructed in beautiful sonnets. First of all, let's just talk about the evolution of polygamy um, in relatively recent history would you say tiago no this is connected to evolution tree looking at uh, the percentage of mammals that are polygamous only nine percent only nine percent of mammals are monogamous only 29 percent of primates are uh, monogamous so there's an indication that polygamy was really entrenched in our evolution tree it was we really depended on polygamy to evolve in a way when looking at our ancestors as well like as homo sapiens yeah, we're looking, looking at all of our ancestors since the primates and looking at that evolution, polygamy was always prevalent. Okay, so bonobos, our, our closest relatives, right? Yeah, chimps, bonobos and chimps. So they have a very similar bone structure and muscle structure than, to us. And the way they compete for females, it's actually not violence. It is with semen. So the way that ha- they have sex with, uh, with multiple females. So that the females will have sex with multiple males and the semen will then compete for, for the uterus, for that egg. Yeah. Which is why they say that um, 
evolutionary biology of it is that the more mates a primate is likely to have and the greater semen competition, the, the greater the size of the testicles, right? Because it's almost exactly. kind of flushes out a, a competitive semen. Exactly so that. That is a beautiful DN sentiment to start off on, <laughs> but that just shows the reality of, you know, we're one of the few animals that uh, think monogamy and polygamy is even about love. All right. For these guys, it's just like chances, bro. Take a shot. Literally. <laughs> when they compare the, the genitals of those, of those bonobos and chimps to human beings, they are, there are similarities in between the size of the testicles. But when you compare it with gorillas, for example, where they competed for females just with pure strength, their, their genitals are quite smaller or substantially smaller in comparison to humans and bonobos where yeah. they, but their body is super strong and super, super heavy. Yeah. Um, and on the same note, the penis size relative to the body is also the same, right? Humans are predominant, uh, or I think comparably much larger to reflect the fact that we have uh, pleasure during intercourse as opposed to chimps, which is more for reproductive reasons. Sure. Well, actually, I don't know. Do chimps and bonobos, because they, they have a lot of, they have a lot of sex. Like, is it because of pleasure as well? Because I think bonobos take pleasure from sex. Like, I think the other animals are pigs, right? The video that, the video that I saw about bonobos and chimps is that they, sex is a social thing. They, yeah. Shake hands with sex. <laughs> just, just eating while they're having sex is just something <laughs> insane. So just, you know, in case people think, oh, but, you know, bonobos, look at them, look at the difference. We are more closely related to chimps mm. and bonobos than the Indian elephant is related to the African elephant. So I saw that one by a biologist and I went, really? So it just shows, you know, um, it's not writ necessarily what you see on the surface. So that, yeah, that's kind of what, what we're talking about is the functionality of these, you know, rules, societal rules of polygamy and monogamy. Um, I, I want to make one more kind of state explanation here on to, to structure what we're going to talk about is we're not particular, we're not religious. At least Tiago and I are not religious here. Sorry, Bhavna. Um, I'm just explaining, at least speaking for the two of us. And so we are talking about polygamy and monogamy also from, a, from an idea of why did those rules exist for survival's sake, right? We talked about how cultural rules, religious rules are made to survive your environment. So we're going to give some examples, for example, where polygamy resolves uh, land dispute issues. Uh, actually, in this case, it's polyandry. So when men share a wife, they can share, they can share land, right? So they're it seems pretty far-fetched, but this is the history behind it of, well, in some cultures, they kept it because it stopped violence. So anything else to say about the evolutionary psychology and biology of polyandry and or polygamy? It's just been very insightful to listen to all of this, guys. And honestly speaking, I'm, I'm just thinking about now, like size of balls and size of... <laughs> penises and as you said like it's not related to the surface and i'm like mm, maybe it is and you know should i should we put that on like our tinder bios you know when men say size doesn't matter are they just talking about penises are they also talking about balls should we be talking more about balls and less about penis sizes especially you know like if for women because we're always thinking about settling down and who is the right man to reproduce with? So everybody's always thinking about size with reference to pleasure. Maybe we need to think about size with reference to like fertility and, you know, 
So, so as for you, Tiago, we need a man with really small balls, yeah? <laughs> it it yes. Was that? Okay, perfect. Now I know. Thank you. A, a really, really big dong and really tiny balls. Exactly. That's the idea. Exactly. Chimp-like, but gorilla yeah. balls, you know? Got it. Got it. Thank there's another, you. There's, a, there's another interesting fact is that, um, so gorillas would go late into puberty because it was very unhealthy for them to go early in early stages to puberty because then they would have to start competing for females and they would With die. their dad, essentially, right? With their father. Yeah, like- exactly, exactly. So that's why they go later into puberty. And when you relate this to humans, humans, males especially, they go late into puberty when compared to females. This is one comparison that this sociologist Barash made in his book, I don't know, Book of Eden, mm. which is think- interesting. Yeah, that's very interesting as well. And I think there is dating advice there as well, because, you know, I'm in my 30s. I can date the son and I can also date the father. So <laughs> I heard that when Tiago mentioned this podcast and the subject that you said, you absolutely have to get on it. And you made a comment as well. It was like, well, you know, you guys, if you guys are talking about polygamy, you guys should have a woman on. And I'm, I'm seeing the reason why you said that. And it's absolutely true. I love <laughs> that I'm representing all women in the world today. <laughs> no, you know? no. <laughs> Okay, so <clears throat> to keep it interesting, uh, a little bit of science side, let's talk about some of the uh, leading polygamists and not to discount the subject, but uh, there are some really crazy stories out there, right? Um, I'll start with something that I know all three of us read because when you talk about polygamy, in modern Western culture, the one thing that's going to pop up the most is Mormonism. There are some horror stories with it, of course, you know, with any religion, any kind of rules, there are people that abuse it and there are they're cruddy humans everywhere. So we're going to talk about some of the funny parts, but we are aware that, you know, there are some hard, there are some terrible documentaries that have come up about the Mormon church and about people getting abandoned and stuff like that. So we can't pass judgment on it, but we can judge the founder, for example, a little bit. And the guy who came after the founder, the founder, uh, uh, Mr. Smith, if I remember correctly, right? Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith. How many wives did Joseph Smith have? 40. Yeah, he ended up with 40. Can I just interrupt you there? Yeah. Because there's a funny story about this. So that when Joseph Smith received a word from God that he could do anything that he wanted, including polygamy, his wife, Emma, grabbed those scriptures and put them in fire so that he couldn't commit the polygamy. But Joseph, smart guy, he had copies <laughs> of these scriptures. <laughs> So, so poor Emma had to had to live with that. And it's I'm sorry, funny. I have to say this. You, when you said uh, his wife grabbed the, I was not expecting scriptures after that. <laughs> oh my gosh, Bhavna, slow, <laughs> slow your roll. <laughs> you grabbed it and sh- grabbed it and chopped it off. That is a modern day love story. I feel. Well, isn't that hilarious? That seems to be a common a common problem in inverted commas, that him and Brigham Young, who succeeded him, had, which is, oh, we, well, he couldn't do it. And then Brigham Young said, I didn't want to do it. And then the teachings of Joseph Smith convinced me that this was the word of their God. And, you know, he kind of bought into it. And then his wife was kind of like quite against it in the beginning. And then he ended up from, I didn't really want to, to 55 wives. I mean, I think he started marrying, he married a girl that was 15. And then he also married a woman that was 65 years old at the time. And he married mothers-in-laws. So this does, doesn't this kind of tie back into how polygamy in certain parts of history 
is a survival tool. So I'm not saying that this is an example. This might be a bit perverse. We don't know. We need to read more into it. But in certain cultures where war ravages the land, polygamy served as an ability for the family unit to stay together because historically um, women have been ruthlessly disenfranchised and not being in a marriage actually meant your chances of survival are very low, you know, in a, in a very sad way because land could only be owned by men, uh, protection, all of that stuff. So in certain cultures, it, you were able to take, on the, uh, to take up the wife of maybe your brother that was deceased and things like that. Or families wanted to remarry their, their, their daughters, but there weren't enough men in the population. And so in these cases, polygamy does serve a certain remedy in society. So in the Himalayas, um, there is a polyandrous uh, society there, which means that a woman can marry multiple men. And the reason is there's very little fertile land in the Himalayas, which can be used for farming. And so if every man were to take up their own wife and have his own piece of land, or they were to split the land, uh, people would starve and it, it, there would be conflict even amongst families or inside a family. So what ends up happening there, what ended up happening there is that brothers could have the same wife so it would still be the older brother who takes you know who marries but the low the younger brothers i was about to say lower brothers i i think uh you know our english is deteriorating as we're doing this podcast but it's um, my fault sorry it's my english (laughs) the younger brothers can decide to opt in almost like real estate right and it's funny because all the readings that I did and the videos that I saw kind of didn't touch on it too much on how that relationship works, but uh, the jealousy and the sexual elements of it seems to be, you know, how you like you, there are ways to deal with it. Like you schedule it. So one guy said, and again, take with a pinch of salt, how, you know, how, how, how much you can even accept his opinion. He's like, Oh, a smart wife will then schedule one night with each brother, you know? And so we hear that and we, I cringed immediately because we're not used to it. So, and and, and I, I've always been interested in if I was in that society, how would I feel? Like, do you have this innate feeling that like, oh, you know, people will get jealous anyways, or is it really possible that humans, if you're brought up in the right way, can absolutely remove this jealousy uh, emotion from us? Max, uh, before we, I think when, before we talk about jealousy and, you know, all of those feelings, uh, one more thing, I mean, since you're talking about like, you know, polyandry coming out because of need, we have villages in India mm-hmm. um, where there are just very few women. And that is because a practice that is still prevalent, but was very much prevalent before is about female feticide. Because mm-hmm. the idea is that nobody wants a girl child. And we had villages where they kept getting rid of the girl child until it reached a level where there were just few women for the men to marry. So when you talk about the Himalayas, I think of like villages in India and their polyandry exists not because of, you know, for land, but simply because there are not. So then like, you know, four brothers marrying one woman and that way is the children that she will bear. They stay within the family. And then that means that they will work on the land of that family and it continues. So there is that as well. And uh, would that be uh, exclusive to any of the ethnic groups in India? Um, you know, no, I do Hindu not know about groups? that. No, I don't yeah. know about that. That would be an interesting thing to understand because in the different 
let's call them scriptures in different religions. The well, rule is largely the same, but they're like little wordings that change. For Muslims, it's, it's normal to have up to four wives. And that but is irrespective. Oh, yeah. Sorry. He's talking about polyandry. Polyandry does not exist in Islam. It does not. It does yeah, not. It and doesn't. interestingly, they can talk about like polygamy, like they say, oh, our religion allows and the holy scriptures allow it. And um, they try to propagate that it is to, you know, uh, save women if a woman is in, in any kind of need that a man will take care of her. And if you're really talking about like a woman's needs, then the polyandry element should also come in that, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a very good yeah. point. But again, not, but then we're kind of stepping on the toes of judging religion, which, yes, which is yes. always interesting because if you look at it, you go, oh yeah, I can see how this is for survival. And then we can be devil's advocates now and say a whole bunch of other things, which I hope one day we will have the platform to, to have a very open discussion about it because um, there are a lot of misconceptions of these rules. Like a lot of people view poly- polygamy or the the possibility to have up to four wives in Muslim culture to be this, either this crazy thing if they're, you know, if you're, let's say, conservative to an extent, but some people envy it, which is also a little bit of a, I think a little bit of a boyish, you know, emotion like, oh, that's so cool. But a lot of the things that people don't realize is, okay, let's, let's ignore the survival reasons for it, whatever they might be. There are certain rules that come with it including you have to offer all four wives the same thing. So in, his, in history, even though theoretically anybody could take up four wives, not many, not everyone could. You'd have, you'd have to have the financial means to, to sustain four households. And seeing as we're having a little bit of fun and not to mix uh, sexuality with religion, it kind of goes back to the other one where I asked my friend who was talking about this with me. He is, uh, he is Saudi himself. And uh, I jokingly said, so just to be a dumb guy here, does that mean if you have four wives, you could uh, do it at the same time? And he's like, no, because you see, now you're mixing homosexuality with polygamy. And that kind of made me like, I didn't even think about that. And I went, oh yeah. And it shows how like my dumb (laughs) man instinct to ask the question starts getting a bit mixed up. And then these rules of like modern day society kind of clash with polygamy, right? Now... I feel like here in Canada, especially, you know, I know a lot of people who have open relationships and stuff like that. People say, I'll, live, I'll lead a polyamorous life. And then they watch movies where in the movie, they said that the ideal, the ideal life and the ideal world is to have one partner that you're dedicated to as well. And going so back to that. your point, going back to your point about giving the same to, to each wife. With Mormons, each wife has to have their own house. And then he will decide to go to which house he will sleep. That was one of the shows that I watched in, uh, on Netflix. One husband, three wives, one husband, that each wife had her own house. They had to accept this new, this new wife that would come into the family. And he would then sleep on, uh, in each house at time of the week. He would allocate time for each wife. So there would be this separation. So would there never be that... Well, sex, sex question that you asked. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there are examples in Saudi Arabia too where the wives are separated, but there are also examples where they are friends, essentially, which it's not that hard to imagine. But again, there are some people that find that completely impossible and we need to say, no, I mean, 
if that's your norm, you learn to deal with it. But there is this one guy, Saleh al Sayeri. He had 58 wives. And what he did was he kind of gamed the system. You can have four wives. So he married four and he kept changing out the fourth. And the fourth one, he just kept changing it like every year, apparently. He was just marrying a new girl every year. And it was kind of messed up because he was also marrying some teenagers and stuff. But in general, what he did was, you know, he would marry these wives and then, I don't know if he divorced them or something. They, they didn't like to talk about it because I think there's a taboo behind it. But yeah, these wives would sometimes live in completely different villages and different places, but, you know, some in their own houses and stuff. And then it kind of makes you wonder like, okay, so. I mean, gaming the system is something like, even in the US, right? Yeah. Uh, polygamy is illegal in all 50 states. Yes, yeah, so you think of Utah, you see a lot of polygamous families. So what they actually do is that they're legally married to one wife and with the rest of them, they call it spiritual unions. Oh, yes. yeah. So on paper, you actually only have one wife. Yeah. But actually, you have multiple partners. And even though it's illegal, there are also many countries where it's illegal, but it's not criminalized. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. If Russia, for example. Russia is yes. not criminalized. Oh, yeah. 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 I don't know if it's not criminalized in Vietnam. But I know that it's illegal. So, um, yeah, uh, just saying that uh, I don't, I'm not sure if those two things are the same in this story. But uh, Transviet Chu, he had 14 wives. And do the maths for me here, guys. 80 children. <laughs> what? Yeah, Bhavna's leaning back like, what on earth? So, yeah. Um, look, I know that, like, for example, in Quebec here, for example, the, the you know, just a, just two peoples ago, you know, um, my wife's grandmother is like one of fifteen children and stuff. I know that exists, but all fourteen wives and eighty children. I mean, that's that that's a that's a pretty consistent batting average for that guy. It's it's crazy. And this guy, he did he sounded terrible because he would kind of marry these women and then he lost track of his kids and stuff like that. Like he doesn't know who. And he made this statement. He's like. Uh, Every single time I see a voluptuously shaped woman, I just can't control myself, etc. So he was just just serial supernova. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he was another example, you know. And maybe, in my opinion, maybe not the best example because each of his wives would take would take care of the children by themselves as well. Now, if you just divide eighty evenly by fourteen, I mean, jeez, that doesn't seem like a very sustainable way to do it then you end up having a lot of single mothers. And so kind of going back into what does that do to your, to the society you live in? Maybe not the best example. Yeah. Because uh, I, you were talking about jealousy and uh, I guess the emotional aspect of this, of the people involved in this. And I'm really thinking about the fact that you brought up this example, like 14 wives and 80 children. And in my mind, that is just like what they say, like father absenteeism, right? Yeah. Yeah. And what does but, that do through the child? So if we're talking so much about the partners involved. We're talking about the husband and the wives. Do the wives get along? Is it okay for them? Do they feel jealous? But the truth is that it ultimately impacts probably the children more because those are four, whatever, 14, but there's 15 people which are ultimately impacting the lives of 80 others who okay. will then have polygamous lifestyle because that's what they've grown up in. And then it just, it's exponential, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's this sociologist, Barash, he, he says that probably one of the reasons human beings went 
towards monogamy was for a father to be participant in the upbringing of the child because they noticed that if both parents were there, the success of the upbringing would be much much higher. So that's that's one of the reasons why Barash believes that we went towards monogamy. Okay, we're jumping towards monogamy a little bit there, like the benefits of monogamy. But I guess we've highlighted the fact that polygamy, the benefits of it, could be protecting the land in terms of um, preventing violence. And in the case above Nagaber, it's either the men were in short supply or the women were in short supply. But either way, you could see one's maybe a result and one is prevention. But if we talk about the benefits of monogamy, it ties, it starts with what you're saying, Tiago, which is we move towards monogamy because our society was changing. As we became hunter-gatherers and we started having the idea of possessions more, right? Like land, we started permanently residing on land instead of just moving around and continuously hunting, uh, which certain tribes in, uh, in Africa still do. If you were on a piece of land and you had children, you had to have a very clear lineage to say who's going to take it and no one would dab each other afterwards for it. Maybe only recently, marriage and monogamy was seen as like a love thing. You know, oh, you need to go find your other half. But for the most part of history, it, it was a legal thing. It was to make alliances. So yeah, if you married another royal family because your two countries or your two nations needed to have an alliance, you needed, you needed to respect, you know, the, what, what, the fidelity of it, right? So um, one of the love stories that seems to be tutored a lot is Cleopatra and uh, Mark Antony. And a lot of academics say, that's not a love relationship at all, guys. But how did it evolve in, in, in India's history, for example, polygamy and monogamy? Well, I would say, I mean, everybody's familiar with Kama Sutra, right? So, yeah. and if you know anything about Kama Sutra, uh, there is, I would not say polygamy, there's polyamory in that. So, I mean, until centuries ago, it was mainly Hinduism in India. And it was very open, like, you know, the whole concept of like sex, multiple partners, um, there were no taboos associated with it. And then the Mughals came and invaded India. And when the Mughals came and invaded India, there was the introduction of Islam. Mm. And once there was an introduction of Islam, suddenly there were so many rules around sex, love, number of partners, etc. And that's when things change. But in general, even for example, for Hinduism, it's mainly been monogamy. It is not legal uh, for a Hindu to have more than one wife or one husband. But for Muslims, as we discussed before, it is completely legal to have up to four partners. So in India, I would say it's very segregated and you have both the things, right? So for example, I can have a friend who's Muslim and he can have multiple wives and I have to respect that. And India is a secular nation. So those, you do have examples. Like I come from a really small town where Muslim is like Islam is a dominant religion. And there it is common to be driving in a street and be like, oh, these three houses looks exactly same. Yeah, because they belong to one wife of three, you know? Yeah. And I've seen that happen. And I, I have, you see that same person um, at a party, at an event. And uh, he's very conservative by very typical Indian standards. Like he uh -huh. would be the same person who would be like, oh, a woman should not be outside wearing a short skirt or, you know, a lot of those typical Indian ideas, yeah. you get married by a certain age, so on and so forth. And yet he has three wives. Um, 
which is scandalous, but not scandalous for him. So I think in India, it's very complicated. So it's a matter of perception, right? I would not say perception. I would say it's more like uh, it is what it is. Some <laughs> things you can't question. Yes. yes. Sorry. I Nobody's mean, comfortable with it. Yeah. Nobody's comfortable with the fact that he has three wives, but yeah. it's just like, oh, he's Muslim. So it's okay. Okay. That, that rings true with my, my friend who lives in Saudi Arabia as well. He's saying, you know, I'm not in those circles. I don't know anybody that does it, but obviously we, I know people in Saudi Arabia. I know the stories, but it, it seems, according to our research and chatting with people, that it absolutely exists. We all know the examples, but despite its availability, it's by no means a popular trend. 50% of the people in, in polygamous societies, they, they tend to choose just one partner. Even though they can choose more than one partner, they tend to just choose one. Well, I think that, that's a great point, Diago. Um, what I wanted to say was because you bring up popularity. And when I think of popularity, I always think about media. If mm. it's gaining traction, it's in the media. Yes. Then it's like a clear sign that it's popular. So uh, almost as back as like 2006 in the US, there was a show called Big Love um, that showed a polygamous family or whatever. And it ran for almost five seasons and did extremely well. So I would say like, uh, I don't know whether it's like whether people find it scandalous. So they watched, uh, but you know, you find it scandalous and you stick around for one season. Mm. But you don't stick around for five. You stick around for five and you start saying, oh, maybe some elements of this make sense. Or yeah. maybe actually, you know what, this can work. Or uh, maybe I want to, keep knowing more about this and that ran for five seasons and uh, we have a re they have a reality tv show called sister wives um that is about a man called i think his name is cody and he has four wives and you know multiple children and people love living like seeing how they live so i would say it is that it is that popularity aspects they kind of like i would say like see great celebrities so yeah so i think you're touching on the attractiveness of it but again tv romanticizes a lot of things and we know that tv influences people directly um let's take a just a much simpler example but knowing that it has the same impact this i tr truly believe when you when they come out of the movie with a certain type of a certain breed of dog or in some cases like a new product of some sort something that's really unique you can see the trends you can see kind of let's say it's an american show whatever you can see that kind of that market stop picking it up the interest in it starts going up so it's not that hard to imagine yeah you start coming up with these shows that talk about having multiple partners and how cool it is in that case if they portray it that way everyone's going to want to do it um there's some serious problems in 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 asia uh young people have seen a lot of um emotional suicide so i say emotional suicides because it comes from like a heartbreak and then the you know a lot of parents are so scared that the children can't bounce back from those heartbreaks and especially when they've been cheated on for example and that is what's really sad so when you talk about what's right and wrong about polygamy and monogamy you go you can't say what's right or wrong it depends on the person it depends on the environment because if you're in a polygamous society and you actually do end up falling in love with someone and you yourself want to have a mon monogamous relationship like it's heartbreaking when you get dumped by one person imagine if you get dumped by four and it happens like all kind of at the same time how oh do you recover God. from that <laughs> but you know yeah, all of us agree that you were douche so we're all breaking <laughs> up with you at the same time fuck off <laughs> your bread stinks no it doesn't 
They agree. It's <laughs> <laughs> so messed up when you think about it that way. Um, Tiago, you were saying the difference in anatomy between uh, different animals and stuff like that. So you, you, we mentioned the testicle, the penal size, and uh, how it relates to um, uh, survival competition yeah. uh, or, or mate competition. And there are other things like um, us and chimps. One of the things that is pretty obvious is that uh, we have body dimorphism. So the male is about 15 to 25% larger than females on average. Um, and this is another interesting one. Not all animals have it. Humans and bonobos are also apparently the only animals that have intercourse facing each other. Yes. That's romantic, yes. isn't it? Yes. People all there talking about otters, holding hands and falling asleep. <laughs> I have to stare at your ugly mug. for. That's why we close our eyes, Max. <laughs> okay, we can edit this shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So, uh, um, Tiago also mentioned about uh, like eating and doing it, right? So they're eating and making sounds and looking at each other and doing the, it? The baby chimps are, how do you say, drinking milk from a mother? What's the scientific yeah, uh, term? Uh, su- uh, suckling. Uh, <laughs> they're they're May- mating? drinking milk. Drinking milk? <laughs> okay. So the baby not chimps... not this out. <laughs> we just <laughs> all forgot the word. Okay. The baby chimps are doing that, drinking milk from a mother, while she's having sex with a male. For us, it's super weird, right? Like it's like your cat. It's how your cat feels, right? When you're having sex with your girlfriend and your cat is right there. It's the that's, same thing. That's gross, Tiago. Lock the cat up, man. No. <laughs> um, and, you know, all of this. Okay. What about polygamy in light of the declining marriage rates and the increase in divorce rates? So a lot of people say that, you know, divorces are going up because society is opening up to the idea. It's not as severe if you do get divorced, particularly for women, right? The ability for women to have equal access to, 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 to jobs, et cetera, is pretty high now. So being divorced doesn't ruin your life like it might have been back in the day. But isn't it also kind of interesting that we're talking about polygamy? Polygamy seems to be on the rise in the media, you know, different movies showing it and stuff like that. And yeah, I mean, divorce rates are going crazy, which a lot of these uh, evolutionary psychologists use as an indication that we're not good at monogamy, right? We're not good at relationships. What do you guys think about that? I think you have a very good point there that like we are not good at monogamy and maybe monogamy, you know, had to exist to serve, you know, the societal needs for a while. And now, as you mentioned, that uh, women are also more financially independent. Uh, You know, there is a lot of stress on like freedom to choose uh, and to, you know, the whole concept of like, let's live in the moment here and now. Uh, And that really coincides with polyamory that, uh, you know, you can have multiple partners. And it's very good to also clarify that like uh, being polyamorous does not mean just sleeping around. It means actually loving multiple people. And uh, yeah. I read like, like, like a nice, really nice quote on it, which said like, um, it differs a lot from like, you know, gold or silver. Like you're not okay. dividing it. You just have more and more to give because there is no, it is said there's no limit on love, right? It's not a finite quantity Mm -hmm. and uh, love, I think is not, we love our friends as well. 
you know. Um, yeah. And it's just that when the sex aspect comes into it, where we say that, do we actually tell each other we can only have one friend? We don't do mm-hmm. that. But you can uh, only yeah. love one person. And I think uh, the whole concept of love is changing. And that's why polyamory is becoming more and more common, coinciding with the fact that marriage is becoming more uncommon and divorce rates are going up, which is ultimately related to more economic independence for women, higher education. Uh, and also the fact that, uh, you know, we live in a cosmopolitan world. People can travel more. Uh, for example, if, you know, if this was like 70 years ago, I would have not left my hometown. But today I live in a completely different country. Yeah, which yeah. also propagates the whole concept of like, maybe, you know, as very, very in the olden times, I was like the sailors had one lover on each port or whatever. It posed the question to us whether it was always within us to be polyamorous or whether monogamy is as natural as people claim it is. And yeah, I mean, people have to judge for themselves. But I think the idea that media makes it available allows us to, to discover it a little bit more. Anybody got anything else to add? Yeah. Just at the end, I would like, just like to say like the whole concept of monogamy, polygamy. The reason why we talk about these things is simply because the whole quest for love is something that really drives humankind. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly why we're discussing this today, because in general, relationships form such a big part of someone's life because humans are not meant to be alone. Whether they are meant to be with one person or multiple people is open to debate and individualistic, in my opinion. Um, as they say, love is love is love. I really, and- I really liked your, I really liked your analogy on love is, you know, unlimited. It's, it's, it's not a finite resource. Thank you yeah. for that. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, it was a slightly different topic. I want to tell you that Tiago and I have never talked about it. So it's not like we're regurgitating a discussion we had at work. <laughs> Nobody would talk about this in the office place, I think. But yeah, thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much, Bhavna, for joining yeah, us. Thank you, Bhavna. And we hope to have you on again soon. All right, take care, everyone. See you next week. Bye. <laughs>